Hello, everybody. I'm Richard Olberger, PhD clinical psychologist on behalf of Richard Listens. And I am here with my co-host, Lorinda Phillips from Retired from Sports. And we will be hosting Making the Jump panel. And our focus of this podcast panel extraordinaire is about helping athletes in transition, athletes post-retirement, and today we promise not to disappoint. I am hosting this panel along with Lorinda Phillips, who will be introducing our guests in just a minute. You or anyone you know through this pandemic and beyond are needing support in any way, whether it be emotionally, mentally, or to just raise your game as a high performer and managing your stress, please Check me out at richardlistens.com. If you want to find more content related to my podcast or suggest someone you know to be on the podcast, please look me up on Instagram at richardlistens and my patreon.com slash richardlistens. Please sign up to be a supporter of our show and bring advanced content such as this panel directly to you. Without further ado, my fabulous co-host as well as... CEO of Retired from Sports, Lorinda Phillips. Welcome. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to Making the Jump as your co-host, Master Certified Coach, Lorinda Phillips. Our guests are elite athletes offering their story and advice that is entertaining, authentic, and relevant. They have walked in your shoes. Okay, please tell us a little bit about our guests today and what are we talking about? Okay, great. Our guests are Chase and Stacy Kaufman. They were high school sweethearts. I mean, don't you just love that? They're now married for nine years and they have three wonderful children. Chase and Stacy both attended and graduated from the University of Missouri. Chase was drafted into the NFL and had the opportunity to play for six different teams wow. in eight seasons. During that time, Chase and Stacy were married, moved around, enjoyed the roller coaster they were on while understanding this career would be over at any time. So those are the two people we have on today. And we're going to talk about relationships. And if anything, you know, will test your relationship, it's money and moving around. Like talk about, you know, having a tough time getting settled in and adjusted. Right. And just getting your bearings as a couple out of college. So I can't wait to hear. And I'm so thankful that we get to bring this as a source and resource out there to athletes who may be in transition into professional sports, out of professional sports, maybe contemplating post-corona, what they're going to do, sitting out a season, so many transitions. Without further ado, let's welcome Chase and Stacy. It's getting to be kind of known that athletes have some difficulties transition. Not everybody knows that, but few consider the difficulty the wives have in this phase or the difficulty it is on the relationship. Not only in transition, but they have difficulties while their husbands are in professional sports. Now that may not be true for the Kaufmans, but it's been true in terms of the people that I've asked. But before we get into that, I'd just love to know, you know, what was it like to go eight years, six different teams, six different towns? What was that like for you? For me, it was wild. Kind of living out a childhood dream of playing a professional sport in football. But did it go the way I wanted? No. <laughs> Obviously, by the six teams in eight years, I don't think anybody wants that. But I kept getting opportunities. And we both were on the same page as far as, like, this is only going to last 
for a certain amount of time. It could be today or tomorrow. That time is here. Stacey, how was it for you? Did you stay home? Did you go with Chase to the different places? What was that road like for you? I think the best thing we did when we got married was buy our house in Kansas City that we knew we were going to come back to when he was done playing. So whenever he got cut, we would come home. He would normally get a call and have to be at the airport right away. So I would stay home for a couple of weeks just to make sure it was safe to go out there. He sometimes he'd get there and wasn't sure if he'd get cut, you know, a couple of days or a couple of weeks later. So I'd stay put until we knew it was safe. And in that time, I would kind of research and figure out where we'd want to live. And I'd pack up as much as I could in our car and then drive out to where he was. So usually that was like a couple of weeks if it was during camp, a situation <laughs> where I wouldn't really be seeing her anyways. And if she did come, it would be, hey, you're just here in a new city with nobody that you know all by yourself. So we both have family that are close by here where we live now and where we're both from. And, and they could take care of our house when we were gone, which was a huge blessing to us. Like Stacy said, when we felt like either camp was over or we had hit a period where we could actually spend some meaningful time together, then she would come out. There were some children in here, I think. The oldest child, when did he or she come in? After our fifth year in the NFL is when Elsie, our daughter, came along. She's six now, and we were five years in. And so I was with the Falcons at that point. We barely lost to the 49ers the year before in the NFC Championship game. When Kaepernick came in, and we were up like 17 nothing or something like that crazy at halftime or close to halftime, and they came back and got us. And so the next year, we had added a few really good pieces to our roster, and our daughter was expected early February right around the Super Bowl and we're like oh boy if this goes anything like last year we could be really pushing it and having to make a decision and we ended up being really bad that year and so we had her that February in the off season, and that was a huge blessing and Falcons ended up not re-signing me that year so didn't go to OTAs with the team we got to spend the whole spring and summer which as a football player you don't really want to do but again looking back on it a huge blessing to spend that time with my wife and firstborn and then our second, Elijah, our son, that's four now, he was born our seventh year playing, and that was a little bit crazier. I made the team in, in Tennessee six weeks later. We had him in Nashville right after Stacy had came down there, met a new doctor, emergency C-section. Three weeks later, got cut from there for the third time that year, moved back home to Kansas City. Three weeks later, got signed to Seattle. The next week after that, Stacy moved up there with both of our kids, and my mom helped out with that transition. And so the Monday night, I had just been there for a full week, rented an apartment, rented another vehicle, and Tuesday, they called me in and cut me. But instead of arguing, we stayed up there and just enjoyed our time up in Seattle. And they ended up actually calling me back the very next week. Back. So just for players out there that are building families, how do you train and focus when you have just newborn? Such a dilemma, right? To be present or yeah. to be focusing on your professionalism. How did you manage that? One of the things is I think we both have a pretty solid foundation with our parents. Leaning on Jesus for both Christians and try to go to church as much as possible and build ourselves up in 
in that way. And again, kind of going back to the understanding of this is only going to last for a certain amount of time. And we now have three kids and our youngest is one and getting teeth. None of us are sleeping great. It's only going to last a certain amount of time, right? Just put in the hard work now and when it's really needed as a parent, as a football player in our marriage, try to make sure that we really prioritize what is important enough to put in that really hard work for and at the time football was one of those things your mom said something to you and i really appreciate it your mom amy called and i'd love for you to repeat it because i think it was very wise i'm the oldest of four and we were all able to get division one scholarships i have two younger brothers and a younger sister both of the brothers were football and my sister played volleyball my mom would tell us is sports whatever sport it was at the time of year that's not who you are it's just what you do your identity is found in jesus christ and that's something that'll never change so would she say that to you after a loss i mean this is a good message for sports parents because especially my sons is going into senior in high school i mean there's so many changes right now yeah. always angling for the scholarship the best team the best position and yet so much is not in your hands and that's really yes. where your faith comes in so yeah. how would that get introduced to you and how would that help you as a player and as a family man yeah that's a good question and it was the highs or the lows i mean i think in sports and life you know there's these waves of getting up here and up here and if you know who you are and what you are, then you know the truth. And these things aren't going to get you off of that. And that's one thing that I don't think that my college tight ends coach, Bruce Walker at Mizzou, he didn't conspire with my mom over that, but he told me a lot also, you know, don't ride the wave of the ups and downs. You know, you're a good player, but you're not good enough to not work hard. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a coach to me. It's a team game and no different than Stacy and I. This is a team marriage that'll go past sports for us, way past sports. Stacey, I'd love to know, tell us some of the difficulties you had personally when either Chase was contracted or on the road, while he was playing, and even after retirement. While he was playing, every time it would seem like I would just find my group of girls and then it was time to go or they would go. I feel like it's hard for girls to find people that they trust and we would jump into a Bible study as soon as we got somewhere and start building that foundation because we knew we needed somebody outside of each other. It just seemed like as soon as we got going, it was time to leave. And that was so hard. But I have two awesome friends from the league that I love dearly. And they're like sisters to me. So I'm so thankful for that time in the NFL. But it was really hard. And then once we had kids trying to, to meet people, at that point, it was not happening. Just making sure our, our moms could come up on the weekend when he was gone just to give me some adult company because he would spend 12 hours away and that that's a really long time to not have adult interaction and it was like groundhog day sometimes every single day was just a repeat of Know, diapers, laundry, grocery store, just doing the same thing over and over again. That's and really hard. I was going to ask if there was a mommy and me class to the NFL or a welcome wagon. Did you date other couples? Kind of like Stacy said, it's hard to find people that you connect with, number one. There's people from all walks of life that you got to get to know first while you're competing for a spot on the roster. And once you kind of understand the business of it, you realize I enjoy you, but I don't really want to open up to you because I don't think that you're good enough to make the team or 
maybe I feel like I'm not good enough to make the team and you got your group of guys already or the couples that you hang out with. And I think that's probably one of the toughest things that Stacey was kind of mentioning is like we have a lot of great connections, but as many times as we bounced around, there wasn't very many like really deep ones. It's opposing, right? You're both looking for safety and belongingness and yet you're competing. It doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. mix. What would you say, I mean, you both come from, sounds like a spiritual foundation prior to to your relationship, what would you say for couples maybe that haven't found that yet or don't know how to connect outside of sports? What resources or what ways can they discover this part of their lives? Each team has like a player engagement person and they kind of help the transition into that new city, right? Like helping you get connected with, you need a place to rent, you need a vehicle, you need some good areas to go check out while you have some downtime. Hey, so-and-so is on the team already. He's been established here. Have your wife connect his wife. She's very welcoming and and helpful. And sometimes you get that through the locker room regardless. But like you said, you're there at the beginning, especially you're fighting for your life to suck in as much information as possible. So you can just make the team and have the job. And then the relationships kind of come along later as things get whittled down or people get a little bit more comfortable and, oh, Chase might be around for a little bit longer. You said something about trust. I'm just going to go still into this area because I find it fascinating and difficult Mm -hmm. for people. And I really don't have a lot of people that I've talked to that were willing to share it. So I really appreciate you here. But in terms of trust, Give me some examples. I got some from the competitiveness that Chase had to deal with. But for you, what was it that, you know, had you feel uncomfortable in terms of trust? I think maybe seeing the maturity of the wife. He spent most of his time with the tight ends. So like Chase said, they're fighting for each other's jobs. I think that was hard for some women to go into a relationship knowing that, well, your husband's pretty good and he could take my husband's job and then I'm out of here and I don't want to leave. So meeting a few women that were bold enough and mature enough to just be like, you are awesome. Our guys are both out here playing. Let's pray that they both do their best. That is a whole nother level of maturity knowing at some point one of you is going to have to go home, but we're going to cheer on each other's husbands because we want to see them do their best. The men and the women there's not a lot of maturity in your young 20s, right? A few years back, there is a lot of, God, I'm the best, you know, or my husband or my boyfriend is the best and, you know, we're going to make the team. You're not better than us. It's not our choice if we make the team. We just do what we try to do our best at what we're asked to do, whatever position that is, and not really step outside of the lines of the moral codes and ethics and principles that the NFL has built their league upon, or that we just believe as human beings. You get into that stuff, it's just let the coach make the decision. Let the GM make the decision that they're going to have to make. And don't argue or fight or think negatively or ride that wave, negatively or positively, of what's happening, right? Because it's ultimately not your decision. Did you have any tips to give the listeners about, you know, how to keep the relationship alive, keep it interesting? And you're a very specialized couple. Is there something you brought forward that helped you? I've totally get your faith and your religion and your belief in God. Was there anything other than that that you brought forward? I would say just the biggest thing is 
kind of the I'm second attitude, right? Like I can't make Stacy happy. I'm imperfect, but I'm gonna try to serve her. And after you get married and moving in together and living in different cities, there's things that you each do differently. And sometimes I get frustrated with that stuff, and I'm sure she does with with me. No. But <laughs> but just trying to have that attitude of I know it's tough. We took an oath about to stay with each other through thick or thin, through good or bad, sickness and health, all the other things that you're supposed to say in those things. And you have to take that seriously. And if you don't, that's where a lot of people, I think, really start to struggle. We, in the off season too, we really tried to pour into our marriage. So we'd always go to a marriage conference in February. Once we had kids, we were scheduling date nights. So our parents, they live here in Kansas City. So they would babysit for us and we would go out to dinner or go to a movie or cut golf, just something that we were, you know, being intentional with our time together, knowing that going into the season, my job was to keep the home and the kids, everybody kind of in order so he could focus on his job. Again, it's a short season. So once January, February came along, I knew I could kind of take care of myself again and then we could pour into our marriage so we'd be ready to go for the next I love that word. Intentionality, I feel like it's especially as we, we go through, I know this won't be just about a quarantine podcast. We want this to reach athletes as things return to normal. But the intentionality of our time together, you know, whether we be quarantined in the same home, especially after children come into the picture, it sounds so precious. You guys were defining your relationship at the same time. So the moving around became part of the relationship and creating balance. And that sounds amazing. How could you convey that, you know, to a new couple who's being tested? Because there's a lot of guys out there, right, that are on short-term contracts that are fighting. Mm -hmm. This is not an uncommon path if you want to make it in the NFL and you want to keep giving it a shot year in, year out. What tips would you have for when things get tough? I think when they already get tough, hopefully you've already built up that level of trust and relationship so that one of you is going to back out. But when it is, hopefully you can have somebody that'll tell you the truth that you can go to, whether it's with your team or back home, wherever that may be. Reaching out to people, I think, is the most important thing, your support group. I know we always talk about another couple that's really close to us, talk about, you know, the five people that you spend the most time with is who you're going to be. You know, you're going to average up to that. Really surrounding yourself with other solid people that aren't going to say, start speculating into things that are probably not true. Or even if they are, you're putting it out there for a whole lot of other people instead of just your relationship together and letting you handle whatever you're going through. The chaplain in Atlanta and his wife, the Websters, he had played for a little bit. They were kind of one step ahead of us. So she led our Bible study and had four kids at the time, young kids, but she was, you know, would talk about pouring into her marriage and loving her man well and making sure that that was her top priority and then taking care of the kids. But just since they were one step ahead of us, I felt like I was just constantly just drinking in all of the knowledge that she had. And Andrew Whitworth, and he's still at the range right now. He's a man of of faith. Yeah, great guy. (laughs) And his wife, Melissa, they kind of took me in as Stacey and I were just dating when I got drafted, have me over there apartment for dinner or just stuff like that and 
I mean, to have that kind of veteran, right, or somebody that's kind of been before you and pouring into you and helping you through times when you're like, what the heck am I even doing here? I don't even know if they're going to keep me tomorrow or cut me tomorrow or, or what's happening. And just like, look, man, just do what you can control. Don't worry about the rest of it. Great advice. It's hard to take, though. No, seriously. And you kind of have to humble yourself of reality, right? I mean, whether it's fair or not, you're in a position that you have to try to make the best of. I just want to share, just because I know you, it was a couple that have segued into, you know, business beyond football. Great book, uh, if any of you read it by Jim Collins, uh, From Good to Great. And we're taking a look at CEOs of some of the companies that really have excelled. And it's some of the humility that I think Chase is really describing and embodying for us today. You know, that you can be super successful at many levels and still be super humble about the need to learn and to learn to take in input from others and to be creating that kind of environment around you. And that's what separates some of the top corporation teams. As I've kind of transitioned out of football and into business now, that's one thing that I try to learn as much as possible. And that's one thing that I consistently see is kind of the servant leadership style that, that has created a lot of success. And it's not about just pushing whatever your company is doing. If you'd like to listen more, please click on the link for Making the Jump located in the show notes so you can get access to all of the shows and their complete recordings. This is Richard Listens, and I'm out. Mm-hmm.